The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, well, welcome to our last session for the program this year. Uh, Seems like September was a while ago. It's been nine months, I guess, since we've been doing this, so... It's not the end of the journey, is it? (laughs) It's like the end of the first pass through the table of contents of the Eightfold Path. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So we're on the the last factor of right concentration which is belongs to the last group of the path which is the group of mental cultivation or meditation once you've taken a first look at your views and your intentions enough to start looking at your ethical behavior and seeing what you can learn from that and then you begin to see well some of these things run really deep and we need some technology here to help us calm down and really see into what's going on and then hopefully that inspires you to take up the meditative path of the last three factors so right effort which is really about learning to I love this phrase, I think I got it from Gil, of being a gardener of your own mind, of just taking seriously that we can actually look at our the way we use our attention and our intention and start to work with it. And then mindfulness, which we've been using all along, of just turning the lights on, becoming aware, appreciating awareness, appreciating how much really our whole systems want us to be happy in a way, They want a lot of stuff. Some of it isn't so wise, but there's also a thread in there that wants to be wisely happy. And when we turn on the light of mindfulness and start letting wisdom apply itself, then uh, some good stuff starts to happen and the mind starts to settle down and compose itself, center itself, and we get to experience some of the fruits of the meditative path, which is what concentration is about. And then concentration also stabilizes and steadies the mind so that we can see more deeply into what's going on with us and that then transforms our view and then there's that spiral. So we'll talk a lot more about all these points today. Um, I thought it might be good to spend a few minutes right now. Mindfulness is so central to what we're doing here. I thought it would be interesting to just see if you have any questions. Also, it's our last session. If anything you've been wanting to ask all along has not been asked, or if anybody has any reports about what it was like to work with mindfulness. Let's just take a few minutes and see if there's any comments or questions to begin with. Just to test this mic, can you hear okay through it? Um, it's our last session except for the retreat. That's true. Thank you. So yes. I hope you're signing up for that. A few of you may not be able to make that, and so we want to have a little bit of closure here for those of you who can't make that, but then hopefully you can, because it's going to be a good day. <clears throat> Any Anything on your minds about all this? or Any experiences? 
you have something, Sonia? Um, I've been loving these last nine months and the path and the teachings, and um, I feel like I may have one toe on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, That's good. Okay. <laughs> so I can't wait to work more and I'm hoping it's possible to, to do it again and to because it's a lot easier with guidance with community right. Right. than on my own so right. yes it's possible to do it again several people have done it several times including us this is I consider this doing it again so this is my fifth time through this I'm <laughs> starting to get the hang of it now so it's so helpful to do it again and again and again because this is the path to awakening it's the path to freedom so yeah keep on yeah. keeping on yeah it's amazing it's yeah. life changing oh okay okay <laughs> sorry well if Nobody has any questions or comments at this time. We will move on to the guided sit then and see if something comes up later. Did you have something, Beatrice? No. Okay. Okay, just turn it off and keep it there. That's fine. So Liz is going to guide us in our meditation. All right. So finding uh, the posture that's comfortable for you and also will uh, allow you to sustain some awareness we're going to do uh, 20 minutes of guided sitting and it'll be divided, well, it won't seem divided, I hope, but it'll be in two halves. And during this first part of it, allowing yourself first to see where your attention is drawn right now as we sit here. Is your attention close to the body? in the body, in the breath? Is it uh, in your environment around you? Is it present or is it drifting here and there? Just whatever is present, allow yourself to start there and acknowledge what's present right now in all its many moment-to-moment forms. It can be helpful to begin not only by noticing what conditions you're bringing into the room as you sit down today. You may have some awareness in the body or the mind or the breath of conditions that immediately preceded this sitting. And we don't have to act like those aren't there. We can take those into account. What is the state of the body and the mind right now? Which one is calling your attention or both calling your attention and in what ways?
it can be helpful to allow anything that is stirred up even a little to settle or soften or relax if that's possible. Relaxation is a wonderful aid to being present here and now. And noticing what can benefit from more ease, if that's possible to bring ease or softness, or just let something gently drift off, lift off of you. And if there are conditions present for you that are calling the attention and that are not able to soften or not able to be let go of, not able to relax, but they're, they're here um, and they're still asserting themselves, just allowing that without having to do anything with that, just allow that to be and just notice moment to moment what's calling your attention. During these next five minutes, allow whatever comes into attention to be, to receive your full awareness. Letting things come and go as they will, not attempting to direct your attention to the breath or any particular place, just allowing whatever arises to be felt, to be here and allowing it as well to change and drift off as the next thing comes into awareness. Allowing the mind to be mindfully aware and to know that it's aware of each arising moment to moment, keeping the mindfulness really present and really strong. So that it doesn't create something 
pull towards something, push away from something, or perpetuate something, but rather it's like a clear mirror that allows one thing to come into view and pass from view, and the next thing come into view or into felt sense, into the mind, heart, mind, and body, and pass with clear awareness. If the mind has drifted off and you're aware that it's now back, great, you're mindful again. Gently, gently renewing the attention in every moment to what's present in that moment and letting it go. If it's difficult to let the mind be clearly mindful of the moment to moment, it's all right to do some very soft mental noting, hearing, feeling, breathing, whatever keeps the mind on what's arising now and lets it go.
And now during the second portion of this meditation, allowing your mind to focus on one object that is arising and passing moment to moment. This could be the breath. And just devoting your attention to the breath as it arises and is breathed in and breathed out. Or if that is not the object that you wish to choose, it could be sensation in the body arising and passing moment to moment, or sound arising and passing from moment to moment. But whichever of these you choose, allow your full attention to keep coming back again and again to the beginning, the middle of that object, the passing away of it, whether it's sound or sensation or breathing. And if the mind drifts away from that object, very gently bringing it back to your meditation object again and again. Renewing your attention on this one thing, this one object. Moment to moment, renewing. How is it now, breathing in? And breathing out. Being aware of all the details along the way as it changes and transmutes. being aware of this next moment, for example, of breathing as an entirely new moment of breathing with a beginning, a middle, an end of the in-breath, perhaps some space, a beginning, a middle, and an end to the out-breath and perhaps some space between breath. Or sensation in the body arising, enduring, changing, passing. Each moment as a new moment of that one object.
gently bringing the attention back to your primary object of meditation again and again, renewing your attention. If there are sensations of calming or good feelings associated with this mindfulness, allowing yourself to feel the pleasantness of that as you direct your attention and are aware moment to moment. allowing whatever is present Perhaps noticing how much effort is required to bring your attention back again and again to one object of meditation. It may be very little effort. The mind may be very happy to stay with the sensation or the breathing. Or it may be that you're working quite diligently at this renewing your intention and your attention again and again. It doesn't matter how it is, just being aware of what's going on. And perhaps in this last minute of meditation, extending a little appreciation to yourself for whatever it was that you experienced in this meditation. Whatever level of mindfulness was available, that's a step in the direction of freedom.
So as Chris said, we've arrived at this factor that's sometimes called right concentration. Um, in Pali, it's called sama samadhi. And in a way, I, I like calling it sama samadhi instead of right concentration. Some, some teachers have pointed out that this translation of samadhi as concentration can be problematic for we Westerners, we over-efforters who you know, can conjure up images of, of furrowed brows and bearing down on something and really trying hard. And those things are not so helpful in developing sama samadhi. So um, the idea instead uh, might be to refer to this as collecting the mind, gathering the attention, uh, stabilizing the attention. Um, those kinds of ideas of, of perhaps you've, I bet you've noticed this more than once, that when you sit down to meditate, sometimes the mind is very scattered, it's been very busy, or uh, it's, it's still processing a little bit what happened right before you came to the sitting. And then perhaps as you sit and you notice the processes of meditation, maybe you notice, and it doesn't always happen this way, but maybe occasionally you've noticed that the mind has become more and more stabilized or more and more collected on meditating. You know, it's no longer thinking about what you're going to buy at the grocery store, all these things. It's no longer immersed in traffic. It's more focused on meditation. And that's this process of coming towards sama samadhi. Now, you can be, you could have had the experience of noticing the whole time that your mind was busy and thinking, and that's, that's fine. This right mindfulness of bringing the attention again and again to what's happening will ultimately lead you in the direction of sama samadhi. So you don't need to worry about it so much. So here's a, a definition from a book called The Experience of a Samadhi by Richard Shankman. He says, Typically translated as concentration, samadhi is the quality of mind that is calm and settled without distraction. So here he's talking about the kind of calm, settled, focused that's, that we're doing in meditation practice. So you can be very focused on a video game or playing the piano or a television show, but that's not what, what we're talking about with samadhi. We're talking about this calm, settled quality in, or, you know, undistracted is another good way to think of it. Because even if you spent the whole meditation noticing the tendency of the mind to want to think, you're undistracted in the sense of being aware of, oh, there goes the mind again wanting to think. So it's that kind of settled, focused quality. Um, it's sometimes called a state of meditative absorption, or it can reach levels that are called meditative absorption. So, you know, there's more than one path to this collected, stabilized mind state. I'll talk about two, and I actually tried to give you just a little taste with each of them during that 20-minute guided meditation. Um, the one way is called one-pointed. And what that means is that there's one object of meditation. So during the last 10 minutes of the meditation, when I invited you to either 
focus on the breath again and again or focus on sensations in the body or sound, that's an example of using one object of meditation. So you're deliberately bringing your mind back, directing it and redirecting it again and again to the breath. And, you know, getting more refined with that, maybe the beginning of the breath, the middle of the breath, the end of the breath, the beginning, middle, and end of the in-breath, the pause between the in-breath and the out-breath. So refining, refining this uh, attention, this mindfulness on one object of meditation. Um, That could have been that you were doing that with sensations in the body. It could be that you're doing that with sound. So it's just picking an object and and coming back to it and coming back to it. Um, If another object comes into your awareness when you're practicing this one-pointedness, you gently drop it, let it drift off, and return to this main object of meditation. So Bhikkhu Bodhi calls this method the development of serenity. Um, And that's how he translates a, a Pali phrase, shamatha bhavana. The other path to this quality of samasamadhi is um, what we did during the first 10 minutes of the meditation, which was allowing yourself to notice what came into and out of awareness. So you might have noticed breathing, sound, sensation in the body, the tendency to want to think, um, cotton thought, coming back, breathing, feeling the pressure of my seat against the chair. You can do this actually right now as you're sitting here, aware of the sound of my voice, aware of the pressure of my thighs against the chair, aware of your eyes looking at me. So this is allowing the coming and going, the arising and passing of a whole series of objects of meditation. And this is often what we're doing in Vipassana meditation. But the quality of samasamadhi in this is really directing your full attention to each moment of that arising and passing, renewing your attention. It's not just like sound check, seat against the chair check, thinking check. It's really like, okay, what is the full experience of this? What, how I feel it coming on, creeping up. Okay, it's here. Whoops, now there's something else present. It's really staying with awareness moment to moment or renewing that intention and and renewing the freshness of moment to moment arisings and passings. Um, When you keep your full attention on whatever is prominent in your intention, it's like I said in the meditation, like a clear mirror that's just seeing what passes in front of the mirror, seeing what's passing in and passing out of the mirror, And Bhikkhu Bodhi calls this path, the second path of developing so-called right concentration, the development of insight. And that's his translation of the words vipassana bhavana. That's used to describe that path. So I think you caught the idea by now that over-efforting actually won't help in developing samasamadhi. I mean, it may actually inhibit it. So for those of us who are over, chronic over-efforters like I've been <laughs> for much of my life, um, I tried in meditation practice here at IMC for a while, and it kind of unconsciously crept up on me. I, wasn't, I didn't set out like, I'm going to be concentrated. But that, I'd experienced concentration, I enjoyed it, and so a little intention crept in that I was going to sit here and get concentrated. And that little intention, interestingly enough, because I tended to over-effort, 
I unconsciously would tighten very subtly, maybe tighten my breathing or tighten my viscera. And I'd sit here at times thinking, oh yeah, I'm getting concentrated. Until I got to this point where I started to black out and felt faint. And then I was like, oh, (laughs) I guess I've been over-efforting. So um, other times I've sat here at a meditation sitting just paying full attention to what was arising and passing with no particular idea that I would develop concentration and I found that strong concentration just naturally arose. So an important thing to know is this is a fruit of mindfulness practice. Um, you won't get there for, through over-efforting, but you also won't get there through under-efforting. You know, if you're just like letting your mind drift all over the place and letting it get caught in meditation, this sama samadhi will not develop. Um, what's great, I think, about sama samadhi or right concentration is that it really is the combination of right effort and right mindfulness coming together so that um, you are cultivating and maintaining a state of mindfulness and then the settled, calm, centered quality comes as a fruit of that. It just comes in a way, comes up on its own as a fruit of that other practice of right effort and right mindfulness. the whole Eightfold Path actually helps us develop this quality of right concentration. In fact, it takes kind of the whole path to, to develop this Sama Samadhi, no matter which of those two methods we use. So, for example, we've spent a good chunk of this year concentrating on cl- what I call clean living. So the moral factors of right action, right speech, and right livelihood are very supportive of developing this settled quality of mind, this focused quality of mind. And it's easy to understand why, because the more, when you inadvertently slip into wrong speech or you vent, you know, you're aware you're in wrong speech and you let it fly, or if you take an action that you become aware is harming or harmful, or if you're doing something in terms of your consuming or producing in this world that doesn't feel quite right to you, you don't feel, it, it, that stuff doesn't just go away when you sit down to meditate. You know, it disturbs the mind. So it keeps the mind from getting fully mindful and fully contented on the cushion. You know this if you've ever had a tough discussion with someone that didn't go well, and then you found yourself here on the cushion going, ah, I wish I hadn't have said that, and how am I going to make this thing better with this other person? And you're not in your meditation practice. Um, simplify, simplifying and settling your daily life helps. So it's also the practice of noticing how you are using your mind and what kind of conditions you're cultivating or setting up as you go about your daily life. So um, I've learned through long experience that it's really important for me to allow enough time in my work week for me to reflect on the work that I do, you know, to plan projects or to reflect on people I'm working with. Um, That's an important part of my work. If I squeeze in so much in my schedule that I haven't had enough cycles to kind of do that processing, it'll want to happen when I'm sitting here trying to meditate. So it's kind of uh, paying attention to your life balance too because if your life is just crammed full, 
It takes strong mindfulness to sit here if your life is cramful and you never have any space for yourself to have that full mindfulness. Um, so sometimes it's worth letting go of certain things. So I've learned um, it's probably worth letting go of, for me, uh, listening obsessively to favorite CDs over and over again because what I find happen is then my mind is constantly singing <laughs> that same, those same songs. So probably I'm listening to them with you know, some joy but without full mindfulness. Um, and there, I could, I've been able to let go of my obsession over the years with watching every British murder mystery under the sun <laughs> because I get really sick of those coming up in my mind state. I'm like, you know what? Eh, one or two, okay, fine, occasionally, but not all the time. So you may decide that there are some distractions in your life that are optional that you may let go of. Or your mindfulness has to be very strong if you're indulging in those uh, distractions. Because what you frequently think about becomes the inclination of your mind. That statement that I've heard over and over again is really true. What you frequently think about becomes the inclination of your mind. Um, If you are inclined uh, to over-efforting, like I've said before, you may consider not worrying about achieving concentration. Don't make it another self-improvement project. Don't make it another goal or attainment in practice. Just keep doing right. Just keep practicing the, the three moral factors. Of course, by the way, you have to have wisdom factors present to even be sitting here entertaining this. There's some, there's already right uh, wisdom. You know, you've come to this practice because you know there's stress and suffering in your life and you would like to get underneath the causes and you would like to bring it to an end and you would like to practice the Eightfold Path. So you're already, those are already here. And intention, the intention of kindness and compassion towards yourself and others is present enough for you to undertake this practice. And then practicing those moral factors of right speech, right livelihood, right action, that will support this. And then you just practice right mindfulness, cultivating and maintaining these positive states, and right concentration will arise. The way Gill refers to it that I really like is, if you want to get from A to B, the best way is to be fully at A. So fully experiencing and mindfulness, mindful of A. Relaxation matters a great deal. The more I've practiced, the more I've become aware that a relaxed body helps this settled, centered state of mind. The body has an interesting way of mirroring the mind, and the mind has an interesting way of mirroring the body. I'm sure you've noticed this. We had a great discussion yesterday in my small Eightfold Path group about this, that, you know, you can be sitting here and all caught up in some state of mind that has you convinced that you cannot sit one minute longer and the bell rings and if you're paying attention it's like wow where'd that go (laughs) bang it's gone so um relaxation and patience matter a great deal in cultivating these qualities on the eightfold path that will bring about this uh samadhi so one teacher um on a long retreat i was on referred to this Uh, ability to just be with moment after moment of whatever's happening, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, as 
infinite patience. Infinite patience, she said. And that just sort of came into my body. And every once in a while when I'm having, you know, some very unpleasant arisings and passings that keep rolling forward, rolling in, I think infinite patience. (laughs) Um, Another key that seems to help cultivate this quality of stability of mind, collectedness of mind, is called continuity of practice. So not just doing regular sittings, that's important, but also during your daily life, uh, paying attention again and again, renewing your attention. Make it a hobby. Notice how your feet feel as you walk across the floor. Notice what's coming into your mind as you're driving. Notice your state of uh, mind and body as you're washing dishes or you know, doing any of the things that you do, the more frequently you come back to clear awareness, bare attention, mindfulness of what's happening in you in that very moment, the more continuity of, pra- of, uh, continuity of mindfulness you have, the more you'll be able to have this quality of sama, samadhi come up. Um, there are many, many different ways to cultivate concentration. Um, If you read your little slim Bhikkhu Bodhi volume, you'll find that he lists uh, 40 different types of practice you can do to develop uh, this quality. And it's a great list, some of which are not really commonly done in in our circles very frequently. So there's some that you you may have to ask somebody, what what is that? (laughs) What's a casina, for example? But to know that the two main practices that we do here at IMC, this you know moment-to-moment awareness and allowing whatever is passing, arising and passing to be paid full attention to, that's one of the big paths. And another big path is this one-pointed concentration on the breath. If you've been here and taken uh, Gil's teachings on the Anapanasati practices, all devoted to mindfulness of breathing. That's the other main big road to this development of stability of mind. Um, Another really great way that you cultivate concentration is through the divine abodes or Brahma Vihara. So one that's taught here every week on Wednesday night is loving kindness practice. Um, loving-kindness practice is also a concentration practice because you're bringing into your mind fully with as, as full attention as you can a person, whether it's yourself, your mentor, a stranger, a friend. You're bringing that person into your full attention and you're keeping your attention there while you summon these, this positive sense of them and these beautiful wishes for them of health happiness, safety, whether it's a felt sense or it's the actual phrases that you're saying to yourself, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be happy. That coming back again and again and again, moment after moment after moment, that practice really helps cultivate concentration. So that one, compassion practice, which also has similar phrases, practice of sympathetic joy, which is about cultivating you know, I'm happy for your, you know, what's happening for you in your life, but there are specific phrases that can be used and come back to again and again. 
and equanimity practice. These formal practices of the divine abodes actually are concentrating. So whichever ones you use, um, there's plenty of different ways to come to cultivating this uh, practice. There are stages um, of concentration that are developed, um, that are part of this. So there's what's called preliminary concentration. Um, when you're, you're focused on something and you're simply working to stay focused. So for example, when you're doing breathing practice, when you are focused on the breath and you keep bringing your attention back to the breath, preliminary, preliminary concentration starts to develop. Your mind starts to settle into that practice. Um, and what can happen to us very often is that the hindrances can come up in our sitting practice. So Chris, I may touch on these five hindrances of greed, aversion, um, sloth, torpor is part of that, or uh, restlessness and worry or doubt. Those, those hindrances can come up and those can be worked on to, to be dissipated. Once the mind is cleared of hindrances and fully focused, there are five factors of absorption that come up. So I'm just going to mention them. There's uh, the application of your mind, you know, your mind being directed to awareness. There's sustained application of the mind that anchors the mind on whatever you're aware of and keeps it there. So Bhikkhu Bodhi illustrates this uh, initial application and sustained application like the initial application is ringing the bell and the sustained application is the reverberations of the bell as you're hearing it. Then what tends to happen, the third factor, is uh, what's called rapture or PT is the name in Pali. It's an intense surge of energy or joy or delight or just being fascinated by what you're paying attention to. By the way, it's not always pleasant, (laughs) Um, but it can be very pleasant. Then what tends to happen in the fourth stage is called happiness. And it's not necessarily the thing we mean by everyday happiness, but it's specifically a pleasant feeling of settled, focused mind. Um, So another helpful illustration from Bhikkhu Bodhi, the distinction between this rapture and happiness is the difference between the surge of joy if you'd, you'd feel if you'd been wandering through the desert terribly thirsty and you found an oasis, <gasps> an oasis, and then happiness would be that process of just drinking the water and finally sitting there and feeling your thirst slaked. So one-pointedness is actually the thing that finally develops the fifth factor after you sustain your attention on these practices. So I touched really briefly in our guided meditation on paying attention to helpful states. So noticing joy when it's there, noticing happiness when it's there, noticing the pleasant byproducts of meditation also helps you to further cultivate stability of mind. So... um, I hope that as you continue with the Eightfold Path and with right mindfulness and right effort in particular, that, you know, this settledness, this calm quality, this collected quality of mind is just going to naturally grow and grow in you. So thank you very much. Do you want this next one?
wanting to turn it over to Chris, but it's apparently still my turn. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> right mindfulness, right out the window. Um, so uh, what I'd like to offer is an opportunity for you to do the little breakout groups and talk about this a little bit. So find a group with, let's see, how many people do we have? Twenty-four. Wow, is that perfect or what? Groups of four. Six groups of four. So if you would find a group with three other people and get settled into your group, then I'll uh, share the subject of discussion. All right, so if you're ready, and I could have your attention for just a moment, the invitation is to go around the circle as we've done in the past with each person maybe sharing one sentence or one point and then letting the next person have a turn and then they share one point and and you go around and around the circle. We're going to have a good um, 15 minutes to spend on this, so it's plenty of time. And the question to discuss is, of these things that I just discussed this morning, what have you noticed in your own practice about this? You know, have you noticed ways in which your mind calms and settles and collects? Or have you noticed any of the pleasant qualities that come up from the meditation itself. But just, I want it to be free because you may have noticed the exact opposite of that. I want it to just be, what do you notice of the processes I was talking about in your own meditation? Could even be about, does your mind tend to prefer the one object, you know, staying on one object? Or does it tend to prefer or get settled better with the coming and going, arising and passing of a series of objects. So a little bit of free discussion, but just make one point and keep going around the circle and you can decide who starts. Thanks. So please thank your partners and come back to the big circle. And as you come back, it would be great 
um, to hear a little bit about anything that you learned from uh, sitting in your small group that you might, you know, that was meaningful that you might take away from this session with you as inspiration or encouragement. Or just where you're at with this stuff. Love to know. Yeah, even if it's like, what? Are you kidding me? I don't experience any of that. That's fine too. But sharing it a little bit for each other's benefit and for the benefit of the people who are listening to the recording would be really wonderful. Let's do the old pass the mic routine. <laughs> Just one thing that happened in your group that was a little bit interesting, anybody? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And from there, you get to pass it to whomever. You get to pick the next person to pass it to. Well, in our group, um, Phil brought up uh, the breeze on his face. And it was such a nice reminder that three of us actually talked about that. Uh, a nice reminder of being aware of simple things, simple pleasures, even simple annoyances, but be tr- being truly aware is such a gift. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So one topic was emotions, and um, when emotions arises, the tendency would be if it's an uncomfortable emotion or unpleasant emotion, to just move away from it. Um, and the thought about sitting with that emotion and so that it just dissipates and then to find out what's underneath it uh, and paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. That came up in our group. That's great. I appreciated our small group because we had a little bit of everything and it gave a context for me. Like different ones of us con- uh, quoted different things that you had said, Liz, and someone would say, oh, I'm here on that. And the other person would say, well, I'm over here on that. And it was just a nice way to broaden my understanding of people's experience of concentration and how different we are and how similar we are. Please pass it on, and, you know, someone on this side of the room will probably share something. I have confidence. Everybody said how, um, in the course of doing the practice, uh, they use the practice as a mirror, and we'd see new things about ourselves that we didn't know that they were there. And I, in fact, noticed, um, I don't know, somewhere in month five or whatever in in the ethical section, something about, oh, wait a minute, back in right intention, I, there was something that I missed out on, I need to have to go back, and my mentor was very helpful for me, and gave me some ideas, and doing some work with the meta meditations, just to go back, that helped me you know, later on, so I think it's just a, an amazing journey to see things that we didn't know were there before. It's so great how each step of the path kind of can clarify or inform the prior steps, and how they start to weave together.
One of the common threads that came up in our group was um, just how much life um, there was in discussing the loving kindness practice, and what a if if concentration um, is a little out of reach in other areas, just how it, that will really ignite, mm-hmm. and that that positive motivation to transform that which was perfectly ordinary and we've stepped over a million times without bowing to it suddenly just evokes um, the deepest respect. Mm. And and then, in a way, a corollary to that, um, we uh, touched on at the very end, renunciation, which um, I, I used that word and... I don't know if I were, was projecting my own, um, my own. I, I find it intrepid the whole thought of it, and and so I, I sensed in the group there was some sense of like, could we talk about anything else? And and but that might have been me. But just how valuable the reframing of something which on its face looks really pretty unappealing and and yet the reframing of it the looking to what can come of renunciation and then finding alternate words and so by virtue of some dharma talks along the way um, working with the words of withdrawing from that which is unskillful um, sounds quite wise and doable Mm, thank you for that there's also just this little touch of renunciation if you're able to let go of what was so interesting the prior moment and turn your attention to what's arising now in this moment that's a little moment of letting go so thank you all for those comments is there a last comment or Yes, let's pass the mic over here. Thanks. Uh, um, in, in the process of going around uh, in, in the group, uh, it just really made me aware that, uh, that, uh, that relaxation and um, a pleasurable, something that's pleasurable or satisfying, can go a long way into getting you to a, uh, a state where you can... I think be more concentrated. So that was great. Thank you. All right. So you now get a ten-minute break, and we'll ring the bell um, just before two twenty-five. So enjoy.